This is Iron Sports 95.9, 106.9. We're honored today to have Lars Anderson, who just uh, wrote a book called A Season in the Sun. Lars is a, you might see him from writing in terms of Sports Illustrated and all the books that he's wrote, Chasing the Bear, Dabo's World, all these great books. But Lars, thanks a lot for coming on Iron Sports and talking about A Season in the Sun. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So last week or a couple of weeks ago, we had Sam Wickersham on who had wrote the book, It's Better to Be Feared. So this is sort of the analysis of the Tampa Bay Tom Brady experience. And, and I liked it. Your book is fantastic and it's just a must read. I liked how you used the quote. Um, they said, if you build it, he will come. And you really went and said Tampa had, in order for Tom Brady to want to come to Tampa Bay, uh, general manager Jason liked had to, and Bruce Arians had to put, that, put the, the steps in place that he you know, would want to come to that, that team. Yeah, yeah, they use that uh, the field of dreams uh, analogy to build it, they will come. Uh, and, and really what we're referring to is the, you know, able to tell Tom, and Tom had already done his research uh, when, when Jason and Bruce had their initial phone conversation with Tom, and he was aware that the young, talented defense, uh, the incredible wideouts, uh, great tight ends, uh, an emerging offensive line, and they hadn't even drafted uh, Worfs yet, who is who I think is going to be an All-Pro one day. Um, and uh, you know, it was almost like Tom was selling, and Bruce has said this multiple times, but it was almost like Tom was selling himself uh, more than Bruce and Jason were selling the franchise because because uh, Tom had made up his mind, you know, that um, that he wanted to come to Tampa. And uh, because it's sort of, you know, Tom being the meticulous guy that he is, he wrote a list of 20 things uh, that he wanted in a warm weather. He wanted to be close to New York where his son lives. Uh, And, you know, it's a relatively quick flight from Tampa up to LaGuardia. And uh, it just Tampa just checked all the boxes uh, more so than any other team. And, you know, uh, at the end of that first conversation, Jason told Tom, he's like, well, you know, there might be a, a, an issue here because uh, one of our players, Chris Godwin, he wears number 12. And Tom's like, I don't care. I'll wear number seven. <laughs> and uh, Jason's like, why seven? Because Tom said, because I want that seventh ring. And uh, But 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 uh, Chris ended up, uh, you know, giving up his jersey, uh, didn't, didn't ask for anything from Tom. Uh, I think he just he was going into a contract year and he wanted the ball thrown his way and it certainly uh, it worked out well for both. And what are the, the players that doesn't what are the players what are the uh, people in this narrative don't get a lot of credit is Jason Light. I mean, here's someone who was 27 and 52 after five years. Maybe a general manager would have been fired if the Glaciers would have been you know quick to get rid of him. But they kept he drafted a kicker in the second round. But still, he was able to put together. And if you just look at the draft picks and everything, this amazing team that he was able to to, to he was a tremendous team that he put together. But just how Jason was able to create the team with Godwin and Evans and and to a team that actually Brady won, wanted to come to. Yeah. Um, okay. About Aguayo being picked in the second round, I, I will say this: that was not Jason's call. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> he did not want to take take a kicker in the second round, and I and he he jokes about it, um, you know, and he, he knows it's probably going to go on his epitaph that he was the general manager who picked a, a kicker in the second round, and then the kicker flames out. Um, but I, I'm just telling you, there's a lot more to that story. Uh, and, but, but, but yeah, I mean, he's hit on so many draft picks and, 
had just done a, a, a masterful job with the with the roster construction, and you know, Jason w- worked at uh, the Cardinals when Bruce was the head coach. He was, I think, the assistant GM, and uh, Bruce and 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 Jason have a really strong working relationships relationship. I mean, they're they're really like they're buddies. You know, they it's, they they enjoy just having a cocktail. You know, after after games and and just they enjoy each other's company. Uh, their families are friends, and and you know, Bruce would not have come out of retirement to play for anyone other than Jason. That that I am sure of. And of course, he had to get his wife Chris to sign off on it. And uh, you know, she just said, "Well, I want an unlimited travel budget <laughs> so I can see my grandkids uh, up in Al- up in Birmingham, Alabama, where where I live." And um, and that Bruce had to give up play calling duties because she was worried, frankly, that he was going to uh, have a stroke on the sideline and die on the sideline because he would get so stressed uh, by just the, the the play calling. So. And and Bruce doesn't take the job if Byron Leftwich isn't available. He won. He wanted Byron all, the whole the whole way because one Byron was with him in Arizona. Uh, in Arizona, I, I, I know Cliff Kingsbury. He wanted to take over play calling duties, and and um, you know he, he let they let Byron go. And uh, I mean, and, and Bruce says that 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 Byron can actually teach the offense better than he can because Byron's played in it, whereas Bruce simply designed it, but he's never played in it. And I think it also helps dramatically the fact that Byron is a lot, was a lot like Tom Brady in that he wasn't very mobile. And so he had to just sort of manipulate in the pocket. Uh, and I think he sees things the way that Tom does. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, just the, the, the roster construction, all the assistants. Uh, Bruce got every single guy that he wanted, and 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 the and women, uh, most diverse staff in the NFL. Wouldn't be surprised if both Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich are uh, head coaches next year. And you mentioned I, you, I know you're based now in Tuscaloosa, in Alabama, teaching at Alabama, but. People forget that Bruce Arians was coached under Bear Bryant. So Bear Bryant, the legendary Alabama football coach, and you had a book called Chasing the Bear. But And I love the quote that you had in the book that goes, Bear Bryant's last words to Arians was, coach them hard and hug them harder. And I think that it's interesting to see Arians now later in his life, but take the lessons that he learned from the legendary Bear Bryant in terms of coaching this team. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. You know, Bruce is the last sort of direct link to Bear Bryant. Uh, he's the last one on, on, on that was on that final staff with Bryant, who is still coaching. And uh, what you just articulated is Bruce is the core of Bruce's uh, coaching philosophy, and they, that is just uh, you know to really uh, you coach them hard, you yell at them, you <laughs> do everything you can, but they have to. The player needs to realize it. it's a critique of of the play of the player as the, the skills, not the person. And Bruce wants, he's really good at, at, at nurturing relationships, at, um, you know, just making and, and, uh, making uh, players feel comfortable around him. And uh, he loves to joke, and, you know, he's, he's really smart, really, really smart. And, um, you know, he's just, I think he's much better in this CEO type of role 
rather than in the play calling role. And of course, he has a big say in it, right? He sits in on the meetings with with Leftwich and and Brady uh, when Tom will pick his 30 favorite pass plays (laughs) and then they'll put them in a script. Um, So Bruce is still very much involved. And, you know, last year was really a work in progress because Tom in, in New England, he preferred the shorter routes, uh, death by a thousand cuts philosophy, whereas Bruce wants to push the ball down the field. He wants at least six long balls a game, which is more than any other coach in the NFL. And Tom sort of struggled with that right out of the gate last season. He threw, you saw him throw a pick six against uh, the Saints in the season opener through another uh, interception in the season opener. And he, uh, you know, Clyde Christensen later told me, the quarterback's coach for Tampa, told me that there were plays in that season opener against the Saints that Tom simply didn't know where the guys were going. (laughs) And there was a lot of confusion because, you know, the pandemic, Tom missed out on over 1,500 snaps that he or reps that he would have gotten in practice because of the pandemic. And so Tom had to learn this, you know, this expansive new offense, uh, new terminology in a very short amount of time. And it was interesting that, the Tampa staff can monitor how many hours a player is logged into their iPad studying the offense each week. And this continues to this day. Tom is by far and away logged into that more than any other player. And that just tells you, and even the great Tom Brady, I mean, this is hard. This is hard stuff. And he puts in the time that simply other quarterbacks don't. And, um, and, and, I, you know, I, I, could, I, I didn't know a ton about Brady before I, I started doing this book, but I'm, I'm telling you, he's the most disciplined person I've ever met, be it in business, uh, law, uh, you know, academia. I, I, it's just amazing, you know, from his diet to how he exercises, his emphasis on pliability and stretching and band work and, and the TB12 method. And he drinks more water than any person on the face of this planet. You know, he's always lugging around like 24 uh, electrolyte uh, uh, fueled uh, bottles of water. And he goes to bed every night at 8:30. You know, it's just uh, he's, a, he's a very regimented person, and, a, and a, a, like I said, incredibly disciplined person. Well, you mentioned in the book that when some Leftwich thought, well, there was a, some discussion, well, why don't you just t- use the offense that Brady ran in New England and, and cater it? And Arians and Leftwich said, it's easier to have one brilliant guy learn the plays <laughs> rather than 21 guys learn another system. So they thought it was easier for, you know, Brady's going to catch on and we're going to work with him. Even though they said Leftwich has studied every single pass that Brady ever threw in New England and looked at every single play. So he knew what he was running, but he thought it was better that easier for Brady to learn the uh, Tampa system. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, it, it, it took, uh, it took a melding of the mind. It was at the bye week. They're seven and five last year and they'd lost two in a row. And honestly, and, and Bruce didn't say this publicly, but he was thinking, all right, we're, we're just going to use these last games of the season to get ready to make a run in 2021 and, um, and, and make a run for the Super Bowl the following year. Right. And, uh, and just we're trying to get uh, iron all the kinks out here at, in, at the end of the year. It was no way in his mind was he ever thinking Super Bowl. Uh, but then they went on and, you know, they won uh, eight consecutive games, go on the road, beat the Packers. 
and um, in, in the uh, in the uh, championship game. And I really think the key play of the of the entire season was again this uh, expression of Bruce's offense: no risk it, no biscuit. Right, mm-hmm. that's what he always talks about: throw the ball deep. And you know, with just a few seconds left in the in the first half, uh, Brady throws a beautiful ball to Scotty Miller, touchdown. Uh, I think it was 39, 40 yards, somewhere in there. And that play doesn't happen if Leonard Fournette uh, doesn't make a key block. And and Bruce, just uh, a few days earlier, uh, had told Leonard, because Leonard was being, he was very aloof. He wasn't getting a lot of touches. And uh, during one walkthrough practice, Leonard just sat on his helmet. And Bruce went over to him and he said, he said, look, go inside to the locker room call who you need to call, take 20 minutes, and then come back and tell me if I need to cut you or tell me that you're going to play. And Leonard did that. He went into, he went in and uh, made, made some calls, came back out and said, I'm good, coach. And Leonard ends up being uh, and obviously one of the key players in, in their Super Bowl run, made that key block. And he began, and he, and he becomes so um, uh, close with Bruce that he took a discount and re-signed this year. You know, and, and that's just that's, that's sort of the magic of, of Bruce Arians. Uh, it, it's uh, it's managing relationships and just being straight up with the players, and and they know what the the expectations are. There is no gray area, and um, yeah been widely successful and certainly wouldn't be surprised if they repeat yeah and you you discuss about brady's not just his ability but also his leadership ability how when he went there the first thing he wanted is i wanted the cell phone numbers of every single player he would call the players work with them ran the drills and you have the funny story with ryan jensen about how he had to call the center and he was like the center was in colorado on a hunting trip and he asked uh, ryan about a certain thing you can discuss that a little bit but uh just interesting about how brady's whole leadership ability yeah, uh, I think Tom basically said, you know, uh, we talked to Ryan, um, <laughs> said hello, introduced himself, and oh, by the way, we're going to put baby powder on your butt <laughs> uh, because he didn't want um, he didn't want uh, his his hands to get wet. Tom is just obsessed with keeping his hands dry, and he didn't want a sweaty uh, behind. And so uh, the coaches would laugh at practice. The other players would, because whenever Ryan would run around, you'd see these puffs of like white clouds coming from his backside, and uh, everybody got a real kick out of that. But Ryan, to his credit, he's like, if it's if I'll do, if Tom Brady tells me to do something, I'm going to do it. And then Sam Wickersham in his book mentioned about how Brady had all these ideas. You know, the same thing Aaron Rodgers has talked about. I have ideas what players I want to come in. He said felt that no one was listening to him. But you mentioned in the book with Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, even getting Fournette, working with him, getting him, that people were, they listened in Tampa, even though he was only there like a few months, they were listening to what players he wanted to bring in, and they actually signed those deals and brought those players there. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Tom... Played a, he played a big role, obviously, in bringing uh, Leonard. He uh, texted Leonard right after he got re- released by the Jags. He uh, was constantly in the ear of Jason and Bruce about wanting to sign Antonio Brown. He even picked up Antonio at the airport. I mean, who does that these days? Uh, and then Antonio stayed at, 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 at uh, Tom's place, uh, Derek Jeter's old house, which recently sold. Um, and he, he was obviously instrumental in getting Gronkowski. 
and um, that was on blind faith. You know, they didn't get a chance to work out Gronkowski. Bruce, the previous year, had called one of the Patriot games, and he looked. He thought Bruce, that Gronk was just a, a broken player, and that uh, he simply didn't couldn't get separation. But now, you know, you look back at the Super Bowl. Who are the three guys who scored touchdowns? Well, it's the three guys that Tom Brady brought in, <laughs> <laughs> and that Tom Brady was instrumental in bringing in. So, yeah, I mean, you could add sort of like assistant general manager, uh, assistant head coach as well. Uh, to Brady's uh, job description. Yeah, we're talking to Lars Anderson. His book, A Season in the Sun, it's about last year's Tampa Bay a Super Bowl championship season. And there's one question I had in my mind, and, you know, in terms of choosing Tampa Bay, we mentioned about the, uh, the, the teams. He grew up wanting, and Sam mentioned this in his book, about how he grew up being a 49ers fan. He had a lot of dreams to play. But when he found out that, you know, was Tampa the team – that he, you know, when, when that just wanted him the most, or was it what was that situation in terms of him going to Tampa? Because when I heard first Tampa, I think everyone was like, What Tampa? But what drove him in terms of believing that, you know, it's not going to be the 49ers and it's not going to be the Chargers, it'll be Tampa Bay? Yeah, so that, um, yeah, Seth, Seth is a good friend of mine and that's an outstanding book. Um, so yeah, my, I didn't really get into that in my book. Um, I just know that Tampa checked the boxes, and um, and I, I also know that that for whatever reason the 49ers uh, opted to pass on on Brady, and I, I think there was some little anger that with that with Tom uh, just because they wouldn't even engage in a discussion because he did. He wanted to go home. He wanted you know he's from the Bay Area. He wanted to be closer to his parents, and um, but. Also, you know, Giselle, his wife, she wanted to be make it an easier flight to um, to Brazil and uh, to her uh, native country, and it's it's a lot easier to get there from Tampa than it is from uh, San Francisco. But you know, I I, I I certainly don't question Seth's reporting, uh, but again, I don't really dig deep into it. But I I, I can tell you this at. 15 seconds after free agency period began, the very first call that Don Lee, uh, Tom's agent, received was from Jason Light. And there was no, and, and, and Don said, you made the right call. So I took that as an interpretation that Tom, right from the beginning, wanted to go to Tampa. Uh, but uh, again, you know, uh, Seth, uh, again, I do not dispute Seth's reporting at all, but uh, it, it just, I, what I deduced from the flow of events was that Tom's target was Tampa. That is interesting because you mentioned in the book about how you spell out about Bruce Arians talking about Jameis Winston, his quarterback, who, you know, Arians and thought that when people on the outside looked at Tampa Bay, they didn't say, well, they're one quarterback away from winning a Super Bowl. But Arians did. He felt like if we don't throw 30 interceptions, we're going to be we're going to be a Super Bowl champion. And those last two games, they were seven and seven. And then they lost the last two games. He threw a bunch of interceptions. So I think that was the feeling that they felt, you know, they zeroed in on Brady, thinking that this is what they have to do to get to the, just they were just one literally one player away. Yeah. And, um, you know, Bruce. He thought he could fix Jameis. He really did, and uh, he he uh, he just you know you could see the look of exasperation on his face in that final game where 
on a first play of overtime. Jameis throws a pick six, uh, shortest overtime game in the NFL history. And afterward, he said, Jameis does so many great things, but he does so many awful things. And he, he just had it. And uh, so he had decided at that moment to move on from Jameis. And uh, their first target was Teddy Bridgewater. They Because they didn't think they had a shot at Brady. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, once they got sort of word through their own league sources that Tom could be interested, um, they went and uh, Clyde Christensen, the quarterbacks, those Byron and Bruce and Jason, they all analyzed every throw that Tom had made in the last two years, and and they came to the conclusion that he still that he still had it. And um, and one of the first conversations Bruce had with Tom was they said, "Look, we are really good, but we don't know we're good. We need you to tell. We need you. Your mere presence will make us so much better because these." Young players don't understand how good they are, and man, it's it just it, it was it, it was it, it is just absolutely remarkable how one player can change the entire culture of an organization. But that's exactly what Tom did. Well, I, Lars, I really appreciate you taking time out and talking about your book, A Season in the Sun. It's available in Barnes & Noble, Amazon, everywhere. And it's it's what I love about it is that it just, you go, we, we heard about things, but the stories that you tell, the Jensen story, Brady, but it, it's great. And I really appreciate you writing the book. And sort of it's a must read for anybody who likes football. Even if you don't like football, it's, just a, it's a great story of the Belichick and Brady and Arians and just everything about it. It's almost a Shakespearean type of, of, uh, of story. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, it normally this is my twelfth book, and it normally takes me about eighteen months to write a book and to report and write a book. And I did this one in twelve weeks, so it was uh, it was a stressful process. But you know, Bruce is great. I just uh, Bruce and I had written a book together before, Quarterback Whisperer. So I've had a long, long time relationship with with BA, and um, you know, we just spent hours and hours and hours just talking and and and. Uh, you know, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, Jason played at uh, Nebraska for two years, and it turns out that Jason and I have a bunch of friends in common, which is just a small world thing. And uh, also shows you everybody in the same Nebraska does actually know each other. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it just you, I, I just hope Tampa fans just realize how special they have it, uh, how special this team is from front office all the way uh, to the, the 53rd guy on the roster. Uh, what, what is happening in Tampa um, is something that, that really uh, the fans there should cherish. And I think your book totally captures it. So, Lars, once again, thank you so much for coming on Iron Sports. I uh, really appreciate you talking about your book.